This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Again, we will continue on this teaching on authority in God's house. Again, authority in God's house. And my section of this He's really been a few things, but how to respond to delegated authority. And again, that's been already taught already. I'm just gleaning in on things that have already been said. And, and hopefully, like I said, you are getting this down in your heart and your spirit and not just getting it there, but applying it. That's the whole point of the word of God. You have to be a doer of the word and not hearer only. Right. And so <clears throat> just an opening statement again, a reminder as we're winding down this teaching. Don't don't forget your position. I always say that you know where your position is. What I mean by your position, you are not God. You are not the Lord. Right? You are a believer in the Lord. That is so important to understand. Right? That means I can flow out of that authority. I'm not God. I'm not the Lord. But I'm a believer in the Lord. Right? That means God is the benefactor. He's the one that's in total control. Right? He is a ruler. All power belongs to him, and we'll read that in a minute. That, that's God. And I'm the beneficiary of that. Right? And so that means I need to stay under authority. That means I've got to first find authority, and then once I find authority, I have to stay under authority. And that's how God has set it up, to receive the benefits, the things that have been taught over and over again in, in this teaching around the benefits of, of authority and staying under authority. That's how, I got to, that's how you receive that when you are under authority. Right? And so... Let's go ahead and start with uh, Psalm 62, because that's the foundational scripture. Psalm 62. You get there, say amen. And I'm going to try my best to get to where I need to be at on this night. Psalm 62. <clears throat> Starting in verse number 11. This is God. <laughs> you know, I love scriptures that start with God. God has spoken once, twice have I heard this, that power belongeth to God. Right? And so when we, again, this has been the foundation of Scripture for those that have brought forth in this teaching and understanding that God is the ultimate authority. Right? And we talked about authority. We talked about He has the right, He has the might. You know, again, those Greek terms of Azusa and Dunamis, y'all learn these terms, and hopefully that'll, uh, you know, Resonate in your everyday vernacular now, but he is God is the ultimate authority. He has the right, and he has the might, and he alone is all powerful. Now turn with me to Hebrews chapter one. Hebrews chapter one, <clears throat> starting at verse number one. Hebrews one and one. It says God again. Who at sundry times and in divers manner spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being in the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of majesty on high. So you see there, it talks about God upholds all things by the word of his power. 
By him all things were made. God is the creator. Right? And so my objectives for this teaching, for my, my section, was first introduce you to God Almighty. And we spent time showing you who God is. What I mean who God is, the Almighty God. El Shaddai, the all-powerful God. And then my other objective was to introduce you to delegate authority. The next objective was to introduce you to those who are under delegated authority. And then my next objective was to discuss how to respond to those in delegated authority. And my last objective, which we have to get to on this evening, is to look at the difference between provoking to love and good works and bullying. So, again, God being the ultimate authority, He is the ultimate authority. That means that man, you must, again, like I said, find authority and get under it. Because remember your position. You're a believer in the Lord. You're not the Lord. You are not God. That means, man, you do not have the right to change God's order. You don't have the right to change God's arrangement. You don't have the right to change God's ordinances. You don't have that right. Let me help you out. You don't have the right to criticize God's word or criticize God's delegates. And what I mean by order, that is God's placing and that is God's arrangements. God has specific order and a specific placing and arrangement that he has established. Right? And for a man, you don't have a right to criticize, to change any of that. Because remember, power belongeth to God. He is the Almighty God. Man is a creation of God. You are not the Creator. And so again, we talked about God and being Almighty God, and we looked at this in Revelations. We won't turn there tonight. And again, like I said, Him being the Almighty God, El Shaddai, meaning all powerful, the one who has all power, the mighty one. That is who God is. That is who you are not. He is the all-powerful God. God. God Almighty. Again, all honor, all glory belongs to Him. Right? That's why we sing praises unto Him. He's our God. He's our Lord. He's our Savior. It's in Him we put our trust. And then we looked at, let's introduce you to the delegate authority. And, and we went to Ezekiel and kind of <clears throat> looked at this as an example in the Old Testament about A man who God had called out for his purpose. Because I wanted you to see, when it comes to delegate authority, it's God who has called. It's God who has chosen. It's God who designates. Right? In other words, that person that God has chosen is going to speak on behalf of God. And God, when he called Ezekiel, he he told Ezekiel exactly what he should say. He told Ezekiel exactly the people to talk to. And he told Ezekiel the people are going to say back to him. He told them how they were rebellious, stiff-necked, but he said still, say, thus saith the Lord. Right? That's delegate authority who God's called. So delegate authority is who God sends. Right? On his behalf. It's not who you deem to be uh, God's representative. It's who God calls. Remember, he is God Almighty. God can choose whoever he wants to choose. Isn't it amazing? That's why he is God. 
Right? And then we looked at another example in the, in the New Testament. We looked at Paul. And I thought that was a really good example for me because Paul crucified the church of God. And he even said so. Right? And then when God spoke to a man to go and lay hands on Paul, he was like, God, wait a minute. I know this is not the one you're chosen. But God says, yes, he's my chosen vessel. That's delegated authority. Delegated authority is a man or woman that God has chosen, his vessel to do his work, his purpose. And, and here's the beauty about these things we say. When it comes to authority, when we say this over and over, over again, authority is for our benefit. It's for us. You get mad at authority and God's like, I place authority for your benefit. Without, it, without authority in your life, it will be chaotic. You will have no direction, no guidance. Authority is there to bring order in your life. In your life that's disarray. Well, my life is not disarray. And all that bondage and all that sin that you're in, your life is in disarray. According to God's plan. So that's what authority is there for. So God called Paul to this work. And we looked at that and looked at how God told Ananias that he's my chosen vessel. What I called him to do. And then when God calls you, he sends you off for the work. And Paul said, by grace, I am what I am. And I think that's, you know, Paul understood his calling. It's by God's grace, I am what I am. In other words, it's not about me. It's about the grace of God in me, working through me for your benefit. So if you're mad at the individual, get mad at God's grace, because his grace is working in him or in her for your benefit. That's God's delegated authority. And then we say we'll introduce you to those under delegated authority. So we went to Acts. And we saw there in the passage where Barnabas and, and Saul was called out by the Holy Ghost to do a work that God sent them to do. And then in that, they chose ministers, servants. They called ministry of helps to go with them. Right? They chose John Mark. They chose Silas for the work of the ministry. Again, it shows us that when God calls us for delegated authority and calls us to be under delegated authority, it's all for his purpose. That means he's provided provision. What do I mean by that? Here we are in this local body. In this local body, there is one pastor. There's not multiple pastors. There's not co-pastors. One pastor. And then under that pastor, we are part of the ministry of helps. To serve in this purpose. Pertain to what God has called us to do as a ministry as a whole. Because remember, we talk about the church. Never forget this. The head of the church is Christ. He is the head of the church. He's the head of the body. Right? We are the body of Christ. He is the head. But he's designated pastors for our benefit. To teach us. To feed us his word. To correct us when we need correcting. To bring us to a place of perfection and maturing in the body of Christ. Because the body needs to mature. And that's the, the role and responsibility of the pastor. And as, as she does those things, we are here to help. Understand, you're here to help. That, that's those that are under delegated authority. And when it comes to help, here, here's the thing about help, right? Help don't need to tell the one in, in authority how to help. I don't think y'all missed that, right? 
Help just needs to help. When you start telling authority, oh, here's how I'm going to help you, then you're not helping me. You know who you're helping? You're helping yourself. Right? So help just needs to help. And we saw that. I love that in the past in Scripture. We went in Acts and we saw John Mark. He said he was a servant. I mean, whatever he need, whatever Paul, whatever Barnabas needed to do while they were out there in the, the ministry, he did it. Right? They need to sing a song. Yes, he sang. If they needed some water, go get Hey, he went and got water. You know, whatever he needed to do. You need to help lay hands on folks. He, we lay hands. He need to help to watch the children, teach the children. He was able to do that. See, we have in our mind, okay, this is what I, I'm, I'm in the ministry. I'm at Church Living Water, and this is my area that I am in. But where is the help? Where have you been designated to help at? That's why you've got to find authority and get up under it. So you can understand where you're needed for help. And guess what? That could change. God forbid, right in your mind, you're like, I know I'm just here to sing. God forbid that you don't sing anymore. You actually watch the children or teach the children. You're part of the children's ministry. God forbid that you're part of the multimedia or you're part of the ushers now. You know, God forbid that change in God's house, right? He'd ask you to do something different than what you want to do. That's the attitude we have. This is God's house. Remember, that's the message. That's the title. It's God's house. This is His house. We're here to help. That's what we call the ministry of helps. Wherever help is needed, that's where you place yourself under. Well, and here's the thing. Well, I don't know. You know, God, you know, I'm here in this ministry where God has placed me. But and, and then, you know, there's help that's needed for singing. I don't know how to sing. OK, I hear you. I don't know how to teach. OK, I don't know how to teach children. Got you. I don't know how to usher. OK, I don't know how to clean. I hear you. That's why God placed you. He's going to teach you. Remember, Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God. See, come with the right attitude. Remember, it's not about you. It's about the grace of God in you. I mean, I'm sure some of y'all heard some very good singers, right? But it's nothing like somebody singing under God's grace. You know, I just, I, I'm going to tell you, I, I think about David. I, I, you know, I marvel about David. Not King David. I'm talking about the boy David. How David can play a harp that even the evil spirits would move away. So you're talking about how gifted you are. My, my voice is like angelic. But your angelic voice ain't moving no, no evil spirits away. It's, you know, it's getting us to applaud you. But God has a purpose. Can you imagine? You play an instrument where the evil spirits got to go. How powerful is that? See, that, that's, that's God's grace upon your life. So we're here to help. We have to stay under authority. So what is our response to delegate authority? Let's turn to Isaiah chapter 19. Let me just read this before we get into the, the section I need to get to. Isaiah chapter 19. I mean, Isaiah chapter 1. The book of Isaiah chapter 1. What is our response to delegate authority? Isaiah. <clears throat> Again, these are things that have been taught already. But it's worth repeating Isaiah chapter 1, starting in verse number 19. It says, 
If ye be willing and obedient, ye shall eat of the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, ye shall be devoured with the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. And so what is my response to those in delegated authority? Be willing and obedient. Be willing and obedient vessel that is under authority. Willing means I have to not only seek authority, but I've got to submit to it. Submit your will. You understand? You have a will. You know, that's what I love about God. God is not forcing you to do anything. When it comes to authority, you have to submit your will to be under authority. And then you've got to submit your will to stay under authority. That's your willingness. So you've got to be first willing to seek the authority and then be willing to sit up under authority. And stay there. And not omit the authority that God has placed for your benefit. That's the willingness. And then obedience is the act, the actual act of submission. You know, because a lot of us say, oh, I will to do it, but there's no obedience with it. You know, I think about this, this uh, parable that Jesus gave about having two sons, and, and the father went to the two sons and asked the two sons to go out to the vineyard, and one of the sons said, yes, sir, and did nothing. And the other son said, I'm not doing that. I'm not going out to the vineyard. But then he repented and went out there. And then, then Jesus told his uh, disciples with him, now who actually did his father's will? The one that said, yes, sir, willingly, but didn't do a thing? No. The one that actually came to his senses, repented, and went out. That's obedience. Your act of obeying. Because <laughs> we all talk a good game. Yeah, I'm willing. But then when it's time to actually co- put in the work, you are on no show. But you want the benefits when it's time to carve out, you know, the, the benefits, right? It's time to get paid. Everybody wants to get in line. So you have to submit yourself to delegate authority. That's your response. Willing and obedient. Submission is key. All right? Turn to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews 13, <clears throat> verse 7. It says, remember them, Hebrews 13 and 7, remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. I like this, remember them which have the rule over you. Right? That means they, he's telling there's individuals that have been designated, delegated to rule over you. And he said, who have spoken unto you the word of God? Right? He said, whose faith you follow after. Consider the end of their conversation. Their con- I mean, he's given us very specific about how our attitude should be those that rule over us. Those that speak the word over us. Remember them. Verse 17 in the same passage of scripture. It says, obey them. Again, back to this willingness and obedience. It says, obey them that have the rule over you. The same rule, the same people that had a rule over you in verse 7. You remember them? Now you've got to obey. You say, I remember them that, got a, you know, that have rule over me. No, you've got to obey them. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves. Wow. For they watch for your souls as, that, as they that must give an account. 
that they may do it with joy and not with grief. For that is unprofitable for who? You. Remember, authority is there for your benefit. So while you're being disobedient, you're being disrespectful, you're coming against authority, that is unprofitable for you. That's not hurting the individual that is in authority. It's hurting you. For they're watching over your souls. I'm going to tell you, that's why it's so important to always show honor to your pastor. Because your pastor is watching over your soul. Based on the gift that God has given her. For this local ministry. That's why when she gives you instruction, obey it. Well, I don't understand it. It's not meant for you to understand. Did you ever, you understand? You get that, right? Instructions are not meant for you to understand. What instructions are meant for you? To do it. Well, I need to get understand. Just do it. Right? You, you, well, I mean, understand it. You know exactly what they're talking about, but you don't want to do it. So now all of a sudden we play the legal game. Oh, I, I need to understand better. Oh, can you explain it to me differently? No, just go. You know exactly what they're saying. Because it's for your benefit, those in authority. They watch over your souls. You know, when authority speaks to you, like I always say, it's not a suggestion. Understand, when authority is speaking to you, when God doesn't authority speaking to you, that they are speaking on behalf of God. They, they, they may or may not give you all the details. But what they're showing you is this is what you need to do at this time. And here's the thing, too. Do it immediately. Why are we going to drag our feet when it comes to authority, when authority says things for us to do that we don't want to do? We drag our feet. Right? We procrastinate. And then we get mad at, the, at the, the person that's in that position, thinking they're picking on you. No. Right? Which leads me to the final section that I need to get to. Right? What is the difference? Between provoking to love and good works versus bullying. Because your mind, you think, oh, they're just picking on me, they're bullying me. And let me say this very clear, right? I mean, up front, there are some bullies in the body of Christ. But you've got to know how to discern the difference. And when you, even when you do discern different, you've got to know how to respond to it. Okay. Numbers chapter 20. Let's start here. Thank you, Lord. Numbers chapter 20. Because when it comes to those in delegate authority, again, they have to give an account for your soul. They watch for your soul. They have to give an account to God. It talks about those in authority are going to be judged the stricter. Numbers chapter 20. Let's look at this example here of a man named Moses. Numbers 20, starting at verse number 9. It says, And Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him. And Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock. And he said unto them, Hear now, <clears throat> ye rebels, much we fetch you water out of this rock. And Moses lifted up his hand, and with his rod he smote the rock twice. And the water came out abundantly. 
and the congregation drank, and their beasts also. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, because ye believed me not, to sanctify me in the eyes of the, of the children of Israel. Therefore, ye shall not bring this congregation into the land which I have given them. So, you see here that delegated authority is always responsible for sanctifying the people in the eyes of the Lord. Sanctify. Holiness. Moses did something this is interesting. Moses did something that he shouldn't have did. He hit the rock twice. He's supposed to hit the rock once. This sanctification is talking about, it was talking about how hitting the rock twice, how it talked about in the sense of Christ. And Christ was crucified only once. See, everything, think about it. Everything, when you're in authority, God's delegated authority, you always point people to Christ. So you never want to give people the wrong impression of who Christ is. See, that's what I mean about watch what you ask for. You know, watch you talking about, I want to be, I want to be in charge. Yeah, with your, you know, your bad character, your bad attitude, and you're representing God. Be like, I don't want that God where you're acting. So there's, there's things that God has told us to do, and we must follow them. And those that are in, again, we talk about those in delegate, or they're delegated to do a work. And you have to understand where Moses is coming from because, you know, hey, before we start saying, yeah, Moses, you, you were wrong for that, put yourself in this situation, right? Look at this, stay in verse 20. Um, Numbers 20, look at verse 2. And there was no water for the congregation. And they gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron. And the people chode with Moses and spake, saying, would God that we had died when our brethren died before the Lord. And why have ye brought up the congregation of the Lord into this wilderness that we and our cattle should die? You see what happens, right? When things are not going good in the congregation, guess who the first person they, they, they come against? The pastor. The leadership. How can we doing this? This is not working. I'm, I'm thirsty. I need some water. We, we, all our excuses are complaining. And in those that in delegate authority, you, that's why you have to realize who you're dealing with. You have to stay on purpose. And God, in this good and mercy, God had a plan for them. God brought them out of Egypt. God didn't bring my Egypt to die in the wilderness. And they complained about some water. Remember, He spread the Red Sea. I mean, water, come on. And I'm thinking about how you going to get water out of rock? Remember, this is this what I mean going back to we say introduce you to God Almighty. Only God. And which rock? Was there any rock you hit is going And I, I like that passage that said that the water flowed abundantly. So again, God still provided for the people. But Moses and Aaron did something they shouldn't have did by hitting it twice. And this is what happens, right? This is what it's talked about we read in Hebrews 13, right? You don't want those in delegated authority to be frustrated with you. 
And that's tough. You, again, you put yourself in that situation. You know how you are when you're frustrated. You say things you shouldn't say. You do things you shouldn't do. You respond how you shouldn't. You know. So why are we going to frustrate our pastor? See, these are things I'm telling you. These are things I've learned in this ministry. I, I'm making my point. I'm not going to frustrate my pastor. It, that's, not, that's not a benefit for me. That's why I'm talking about when your pastor comes and says something to you and asks you to do things. It's, yes, ma'am, we will get it done. Instead of all the other drama that leads to frustrate. I'm not going to frustrate my pastor. I don't want to get her to play when she comes out of character because I frustrated her. Shame on me. All my whining, complaining about things. And, you know, that's, why, that's why we pray for our pastor. Because she's in this congregation. That's why you would think God, God called her to be pastor, not some of y'all. Because you'd have been out of character. For, forget about, hey, you, hey, somebody come at you, you'd have came back at them. You've been a cuss folks out in the ministry. So I know you ain't talking to me like that. You better sit your blankety blank down somewhere. And here it is. Oh, you a pastor. See, it's on. Frustration. That's what I mean. Understand that. And why do I go here for Because I want you to understand that's the response that delegate authority needs to have. They have to always sanctify people before God. And you know we are in this flesh. And you know what kind of people you are. That's tough. But God has called them to that work. So no matter how silly you act, how you reject all the counsel, how, how she, you know, pastor says something to you directly, and then you go back and do something totally different, and then say she didn't say it, you know, and she doesn't justify herself. I mean, God, so any of that. But understand, she's in that flesh. Let's not frustrate our pastor. Repent from that. And a lot, a lot of us in this ministry, we need to repent from frustrating our pastor. So now go back to Hebrews. Chapter 10. So now we understand that those delegated forces sanctify the people before God. Hebrews chapter 10. <clears throat> Look at this in verse... Hebrews 10, verse 24. It says, And let us consider one another to revoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. So in this passage of Scripture, verse 24, it's, it's very familiar passage. It said, let us consider one another. I like that. You've got to consider one another. Consider who? Who's one another? Those in ministry. You all. We need to consider one another. How do we consider each other? To provoke. Unto love and good works. Now, we read this word provoke, automatically our mind goes somewhere else. But in this connotation, this is provoke is a positive provocation. Right? I'm positively provoking. I'm, it means to stir up. 
in a positive fashion. It means to stir up, to incite you to do good. So I'm stirring you up to do good. I'm provoking you to do good. You know, it's easy to stir people up for hatred, to do evil, to unrighteous things, deeds. I mean, we understand we live in this country. Right, you start playing certain cards, it's easy to stir it up real quick. But this time of provoke, I need to incite you to do good. That's what it means by provoke. To good works. And what's the good work? Unto love and good works, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together. The good work is just coming together. Assembling ourselves together. Assembling ourselves together as brethren. Remember going back to what I said before, the flow of authority. Who are we? We are believers in the Lord. Believers in the Lord should be able to assemble themselves together as believers in the Lord. You know, it's good when, when brethren dwell together. That's so why we have our fellowships. That's why we have our, 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 our you know, women of covenant fellowships, our men of integrity fellowships, our YWC fellowships, you know, our next generation, young adult fellowships. You know, it's good for us to come together. And fellowship. So that's why we provoke you, incite you to say, are you coming? Are you going to make it? We're pushing you. We're pushing you to assemble yourself together to come to church. Why? Because at church is where you're going to hear from God. From God's designated, delegated vessel. Well, I can stream it. Well, I don't see streaming here in the scriptures. I see assembling yourselves together. A stream was just a point in time based on where we were at at that time. That point in time is past. It's time for you to get back in here. Don't play a legal game with God. You can't win a legal game with God. You're not assembling yourselves together. So now you're going to be provoked. That's showing you love. So if I'm I'm inciting you to good, this is not bullying. I'll say it again. I'm not bullying you when I I provoke you to love and good works. Oh, they're just bullying us to come to church. (laughs) Listen to yourself, right? I'm bullying you to come to hear the word of God that's going to help you. Shame on me. I'm sorry. It sounds like I'm bullying you to stay at home. That's down more like it. That's going to that's gonna hurt you. But I'm bullying you to come to church. Why are you on me about coming to church? Because you need to get under God's designated authorities so they can bring forth change in your life. It's for you. <laughs> that's not bullying. Look at this in Ephesians 4. You know, our treatment we should have towards one another. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 4, verse 1. It says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all unknowingness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So again, it's talking about us Forbearing one another and 
lowliness and meekness and long-suffering one another. That's the truth about our treatment of one another in love. We should have a love and a care for one another. For bearing one another in love, this means that I'm patient with you. You know, patience is a virtue. Right? Some of us need to exercise patience. I'm patient with your faults. I'm patient with your weaknesses. Because guess what? We all have weaknesses. We all have faults. Let me raise my hand. I have weaknesses. I have faults. And I thank God that people in this ministry are patient with me. You know, I don't always get it right. I'm sorry, I'm not the you. I mean, I know you the Lord. I know you God. I don't always get it right. Guess what? I miss it sometimes. And when I miss it, there's still those that treat me with love. Patient with me. They don't discard me. Patient. We have I'm sorry, we all have faults. You don't think you have faults? Look in the mirror. Right? There's faults. It shows it to you. Right? Just open your mouth. There's faults. And again, you know, hey, for us married couples, married, if you don't think you got faults, ask your spouse. She'll give you the list. Or she'll give you the list. You have faults. You have weaknesses. But our treatment towards one another should be love. Again, that's the incitement to good works. That's us having long-suffering for one another. Patience. And let patience have its good work, its perfect work in our life. Exercise patience with one another. I mean, it's amazing how somebody says something wrong, you're ready to jump in and correct them. You know, if I said, okay, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 45, and, but it's chapter 4. I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry I said the wrong scripture. Forgive me. I mean, everybody's so quick to correct. So, just have patience. I know I'm going. But that's how we treat one another. Treat one another with love. Patience. Forbearing. You know, forbearing is an interesting word. In this passage, it's talking about a delayed response. You got to learn to... <laughs> The Bible talks about, you know, slow to anger, right? You know, some of us, we just quick to speak. Be slow. Slow your roll. Delay your response. Gather your thoughts. So you can be forbearing, not overbearing. Nobody likes to be overbearing to others. I don't want to be around an overbearing person. Again, every time I say something, here you come. You know, I can't get nothing right. And we're not even talking about overbearing parents. We're not even go there. Not even touching that on this. But we're talking about overbearing members of the church. Right? You know, here's an arrangement of flowers. You put them down, you put them down wrong. That goes on the other end. Well, you know, I'm just putting the flowers down. You know, I'm not a florist. Well, you, you know, the table. You, anyway, it's amazing. Everything. Oh, brother, that's crooked. Got it. Right? The chairs. Oh, you missed a chair on one of these rows. I hear you. See, just over everything. Where's your patient at? 
Because you, you, you notice those individuals that do that, they're always barking at you what to do, but they ain't putting their hands to nothing. Because, you know, my thought is like, well, you know, you can fix that. If the flowers are crooked, straighten it out. If the chair is missing on the road, put a chair there. Why you got to make sure you let me know that I missed it? See, that's what I mean about you're not long-suffering. You're not patient. So, so now we get into the, you know, the area that, okay, are we bullying? Right? You know, do you ever have a kind word to say? Right? Can you ever compliment someone? Again, we're not talking about things that... You know, we're not talking about compromising people's sin. I'm not, we're not talking about that. I'm talking about, hey, this is little... I'm going to say, everybody got their little idioticies. You know, I, I never forget, I gave the example that time myself, right? Playing golf with our founding pastor and with Minister Martin. And out there, I had brought a banana. And a squirrel came and grabbed my banana out the car. And you know what I did? Like a fool, I grabbed my club and ran after the squirrel. Am I going to catch the squirrel? No. And those brothers looked at me and came back to the car. And they probably said, this brother is crazy. It's a banana. And they said, Brother Hayes, we'll get you a banana. Just as calm. They probably like, looney toony. We all have our issues. We got issues. You see, I got banana issues. We got issues. All of us do. But they delayed. They know how to respond to me. We're still brother. We went about continuing to play golf. That's what I mean. Right? That's the care we need to have for one another. We're still in Ephesians. Look at Ephesians chapter 6. Because for bullying, we make sure I say these things. Ephesians chapter 6. We make these statements. Because we all should have a, a, a level of respect should be shown for each individual in the ministry. Let me say this again. There should be a level of respect. Right? You know what that level should be? An even level of respect shown to every individual in this ministry regardless of their position. A level of respect you should have for everybody. Why? Because everyone in this ministry has value. They have a part to play. Remember, because it was said before, God has placed us in the body as He's seen fit. So that means they've been placing this body with us. We are joint heirs together for the work of Christ. Everybody has value in the ministry. So show them respect. And those individuals that are in in office or uh, delegate authority or, or under delegate authority, you have to know how to not abuse that office. Or say it different, not abuse that position. Look at this in verse uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 9. It says, And ye masters, do the same. Do the same things unto them, forbearing, threatening, knowing that your master also is in heaven. Neither is there respect of persons with him. 
Now, this is, the, you know, we could read into this, but I, I, like, I want to take verse 9 just the way it is. It says, you master. That means those individuals that are in authority. Right? In other words, you've been designated authority. And whatever, whatever that may be, you could have been designated authority for the church picnic. You could have been designated authority in the children. Whatever that area you were designated authority in, now you're in that position of a master. It says you should forbear forbearing threatening. Now, this forbearing is a little different than we read before. This forbearing here is talking about you not giving out threats. It says refuse. Don't do this. This, this forbear means don't do it. So whatever, whatever is after forbear means don't do it. So don't threaten people. When you start threatening people, now we start getting into your bullying. We start getting to intimidation. You start throwing out threats. Right? Intimidating. It says, don't threaten. Why you got threatening people in the, in the ministry, in the body of Christ? Because here's the thing. Remember, they're in the ministry, in the body of Christ. You don't have, you're not the ultimate authority, so you can't kick them out of the body. What, what are you threatening for? I, what power do you have? Well, brother, if you don't straighten out that flower like it should, we're going to kick you out of the body of Christ. I didn't know you had that power to kick me out of the body of Christ. I thought Christ was the head of the body. Not you. Not you, sister. Brother, I mean, that's what I mean. Don't abuse the position. You have to know how to treat one another. So we mentioned bully. Bully is a person who habitually seeks to harm or coerce, intimidate those whom they perceive to be vulnerable or weak. There's a reception there. So you're perceiving that, perceiving that this person is weak or vulnerable, so you're going to seek to harm them, coerce them. This coercion can be repeated, uh, repetitive, deliberate. It can be verbal, physical. Now we're in a social age. You can be, it can happen there as well. I mean, you are the target of their abuse. And you're doing it constantly. You know, that's, <laughs> you know, Cassius, that's why some people avoid some people in the ministry. Right, because I don't want to ask them nothing. Because you know, once you here they come, they're gonna come out with their their bully car. They're gonna bully you to submission, and all you ask them to do is, hey, you know, like we just got through with the church picnic. I'm just and like you talking about some food. You know, we had popcorn back. You just ask them, well, you know, where, where do we put the popcorn at? And here they come. Are you you so stupid? You don't know where the popcorn go? Go to the popcorn machine, stupid. Oh, okay. Let me do it. You go sit down somewhere. Just bullies. Don't you, you don't even want to approach them. Don't want to ask them nothing. Again, we're just throwing out examples. I'm, I'm just saying that a bully just preys on the weak. And what I mean by weak, you, you may not be weak, but they can sense when you don't understand or know what's going on at that time. You understand what I mean? Weak is, is, a, weak is relative. 
this time when you are strong, but there's this areas that you are weak in. Like I keep throwing out these flowers, right? There's areas I'm weak in the flowers. I don't know flowers. So then the bully knows that I don't know flowers. Here they come. They're going to bully me about flowers. They, 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 they see that you're weak in that area. Then the bully show they're intimidating. Barking out orders. They're forgetting what verse 9 says, that knowing that your master also is in heaven. In other words, every master has the master. The master is in heaven. Who's talking about God Almighty? And he says, God Almighty who is in heaven, he has no respect of persons. That means God will correct whoever he needs to correct. Bully. Notice, God will correct it. And so here's we get into this situation, right? Well, you're being bullied. How do I respond to intimidation and bullying? You are not there to correct the bully. I know that's hard for you, some of y'all to understand. Like, hey, they bully me. It's on. I ain't no weak so-and-so up in here. I don't care we are in the body. I don't care we at church. I'm going to let them know something. Right? No, you should have a different kind of response. Because, again, they are in that office. Right? They are in a delegated authority. You know, God's dele- delegated authority. So I still got to respond out of, that res- out of that respect. I know that's hard. Because in our mind, we feel like we've been done wrong. But God. Who in sundry times. Right? It's God. Who all power belongs to God. It- it's God. Let God correct the bully. I'm not here to correct the bully. Now look at this example. Let's turn to, because to me a classic one is David and Saul. So turn to 1 Samuel chapter 18. Because like I said, the bully, they're going to meet their maker too, their master. 1 Samuel chapter 18, because we talk about somebody who was bullied... I mean, David to me is amazing. You may say somebody bullied you, but hey, they ain't trying to kill you. Saul, I mean, he threw a javelin trying to kill David. I mean, I mean, he missed. It wasn't like he missed on purpose. He just missed. So this, this is what David had to put up with. Anyway, so 1 Samuel 18, we read this. Starting at verse 5, it said, <clears throat> and this is where it starts. And David went out whithsoever Saul sent him, and behaved himself wisely. And Saul set him over the men of war, and he was accepted in the sight of all the people, and also in the sight of Saul's servants. And it came to pass, as they came when David was returned from the slaughter of the Philistine, that the women came out of all the cities of Israel, singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tabrets, with joy, with instruments and music. And the women answered one another as they played and said, Saul hath slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. And Saul was very wroth. And the saying displeased him. And he said, They have scribed unto David ten thousands. And to me they have ascribed but thousands. And what can he have more but the kingdom? And Saul eyed David from that day forward. 
The issue with Saul was his perception, his insecurity about David. It's amazing to me. When I read verse 6, there's a very interesting passage in verse 6 that we just read. When these women came out, they said they came out in the cities singing and dancing to meet who? King Saul. It was all about brothers. It's you the kingdom. David is one of the members in the kingdom. Guess what? When David wins, you win. It's like the house. The house always wins. Learn that, married people, right? Work together, not against each other. Well, he, I make more money. You know, you're a female. You make more money than he makes. And so now so you feel like you got a, a privilege you don't have. It's all house money. It's, it's the same house. So they came out to see King. They didn't come out to see David. They came out to see King Saul. He the king. So they talk about David slaying, you know, 10,000 and Saul slaying thousands. Guess what? You add it together. It's, it's a good number. And that's, that's Saul's kingdom. It's his reign. He's the king. But those in position that have insecurities, you see that's a sign for those that are, are bullies. They have their own insecurities. Again, like I said, they're preying on who they perceive to be weak, but they are insecure about an area. And so they're taking that out on you. And recognize that. And, and guess what? That was, hey, that's their issue. Whatever you're insecure about, that's your, hey, that's between you and God. I may be the object of your insecurity, but the insecurity you have is that nothing to do with me. Never forget that. So when you see individuals that are in this, you know, act of their bullying, trying to intimidate, they got their own insecurities. That's why it's very important for those, and I just say to those in leadership, to help. Deal with your insecurities. Right? Deal with them. Like I said, we all have our faults, our weaknesses. Deal with your insecurities. No, we're, we're, we're not here competing with one another. We're on the same team. And I guess what? Our team has already won. We're not competing in ministry. We're not competing in auxiliaries. We're not competing in events. Outdo one another. I mean, come on. I mean, that's what, that's what I mean. Those, those things lead to bullying, right? Those lead to the wrong attitude. We, we move away from treatment of having love towards one another. So from that day on, you see Saul had an issue with David. Even though Saul had his own issue about his insecurity. Now jump to uh, verse, uh, chapter 24. Hear how David dealt with Saul. Chapter 24, verse 16. It says, And it came to pass, when David had made an end of speaking these words unto Saul, that Saul said, Is this thy voice, my son David? And Saul lifted his voice and wept. And said unto David, Thou art more righteous than I. For thou hast rewarded me good, whereas I have rewarded thee evil. And thou hast showed this day how that thou hast dealt well with me. For as much as when the Lord hath delivered me into thine hand, thou killest me not. For if a man find his enemy, will he let him go away? Wherefore, 
the Lord reward thee good for that thou hast done unto me this day. In this, in this passage of scripture, there's a time when David's man came to Saul's uh, camp where Saul's men were at and Saul had to relieve himself. And David's man pushed Saul. I mean, uh, David's man pushed David to go and kill Saul. And David went there and just cut off some of his skirt. And his heart smote him. And David responds with, who am I to touch the Lord's anointing? In other words, Lord's, Lord's anointing means who God has designated to be in authority. And he refused to do it. He was not going to kill Saul. And this one we read here in verse 16, Saul, Saul David heard his voice and understood that, you know, here's the thing about a bully. They understood that if I was in your shoes, I would have took you out. But he realized this man was righteous. And here I am, evil. I'm going to reward you evil, but you're going to reward me good. That's how you respond to those that are bullying you in ministry. If you get bullied in ministry, let me say it correctly. Right? I'm not going to tick for tat for you. Right? If you say some out of character to me, it don't mean that I'm, I'm going to show long suffering to you. Right? If, if you got the bully label on you and you got your, your insecurities going on with you, I'm like, I'm going to pray for you and let you work that out. But I'm not going to get in your drama. David did not get in Saul's drama. Never, David just left. Hey, Saul, you deal with that. In other words, I'm, hey, David, like, I don't have to get the. David understood that he, God had ordained him to be king. But not at the expense of Saul. Remember, we said this, hey, there's one king at one time. There's not going to be two kings. And, and David wasn't going to take it and make him king. I'm going to take out Saul to be king. That's not how this works. David understood that. When it's time, you know, everything is beautiful in God's time. When it's time for David to be king, he's going to be king. He'll have to force the issue. And so, in the, in the ministry, you have to understand, in the ministry, watch your attitudes you have towards those in leadership. And those that are in leadership, watch your attitudes you have those in the laity, or those that are not in leadership. You have to treat them with respect. And here, here's the thing about respect. Respect is not an age thing. What do I mean by that? It's about the office. You know, here I am, 55 years old, right? But if somebody is in, is in authority that's younger than me, I have no problem with that. They can tell me, brother, you need to go do that. Yes, sir. Or yes, ma'am. I don't sit there like, oh, boy, I could be old enough to be your granddaddy. No. That's, that's neither here nor there. They're the individuals that, that's in that position. I'm honoring the position because I'm honoring God. Back to God Almighty. See, I can receive counsel from those that are younger than me. Or that, you know, like some of us have got issues with women. You know, I, I don't have no problem with a woman. Right? Because I got a mama. My mama told me what to do. She did. My mama still to this day tell me what <laughs> Some of the things about what I need to do. That's my, I have a, hey. So I'll say, you learn these things as, as early in your life, you don't have no issues later on. And I'm not a gender, it's a position. Well, mama, I'm not going to respect you because you're no woman. I wouldn't be here today if I said it to my mama. Because I'm a woman. Oh, you want your daddy to tell you something? See, come on. That's our issue. 
So if you have a woman in a position of authority, a I'm saying authority, but you know what I mean, delegate authority, and then now I'm saying you got these, I don't take orders from a woman. That's your issue. That's your insecurity that you need to deal with. See, these are the things that we, as a ministry, you have to settle these issues in your heart. These are the small foxes that spoil the vine. These are things when we talk about authority in God's house that we start coming against authority. Because in our mind, we see the vessel instead of seeing God in those people that are, that are in this office of, of authority. Or, you know, you know, God forbid we start looking at, say, well, I'm you know, looking at their color of their skin, right? We don't even go there. We don't even play the race car. Those are your prejudices, prejudices that you have that you have to deal with. Remember, God chooses who he, hey, he chooses who he wants to choose. That was his choice. And God knows what he's doing. And when God chooses someone to be in rule over me, it's for my benefit. So I'm not looking at what color they are. I'm not looking at what gender they are. I'm not looking at how old they are or how young they are. I'm looking at thank you, God, for you giving that authority in my life to help me. It's for my benefit. And if they get out of line, I know how to respond. I'm going to show you the same respect. If you show me evil, I'm going to show you good. I learn. Because God knows how to correct those that are his. That's why I started with Moses. Sanctify me before the people. And God... Hey, God deals with who he, God deals with his designated uh, delegated authority. He deals with them. Just like he deals with us. I'm not here to correct them. Amen. Stand to your feet. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.